0: And the best part, you can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's TV slash poppods to get 50% off your first month.
1: Hi, everybody. This is Ace Fraley, and you're listening to Talking Metal. We'll be right back after these messages.
2: Mark Striegel, John Astronomy, the Talking Metal Podcast. Coming to you from the Silver Spacecraft, I'm Bud Friendly. And now, your hosts, Mark and John.
3: Hey guys, welcome to another edition of Talking Metal. This is John Astronomy coming to you from the Silver Spacecraft studio in Jersey City, New Jersey. On the other end, we've got Mark Striegel. Hey, how are you, John? I'm doing great. I am completely fried and tired because I've had about two hours of sleep each night, but that's wow. for a good reason, and that is because we are on a New York City press tour, we meaning me, Ace Frehley, and E1 Music, to launch the new album Space Invader on Tuesday, which August is probably 19th.
4: Yeah, which is probably going to be the day that we post this podcast, so... If you are waking up Tuesday morning and listening to this, you will know that the Space Invader album is now out, and we have the Space Invader himself on today's show.
3: Absolutely. Our very
4: special guest today
3: is the one and only Ace Frehley, interviewed by Mark Striegel. And I
4: jumped in for one quick thing. (laughs) Yeah, you did. You did. Which, we were talking about that. I mean, you work with Ace, so I think... I was getting the vibe that you thought it might be a little weird for you to be actually there asking questions with me. Was that kind of the case? Or
3: Yeah, exactly, because you know the point of the interview was to talk about the new album Space Invader, and I worked on the album Space Invader, so I already knew all of the questions that anyone or any interviewer would probably come up with to ask Ace about the record.
4: So uh, I felt it would be a really cool thing for you to do your own interview with Ace. Well, I appreciate that, and it was— Uh, a true honor. I mean, I've been a fan of this guy since I was like eight years old and, and man, he was in a great mood. I mean, I've spoken with Ace a couple times before. Actually, I've interviewed him once before. I think this is probably his like third time on talking metal and I've met him maybe four or five times. And I must say that this was the friendliest and the best mood I had ever seen him in.
3: Yeah, he was having a great time. We were just having a blast, uh, you know, talking to all the different members of the press and uh, and other journalists. And uh, he's been in a great mood. Everybody's just so psyched about the record. And I want to tell you something. I haven't even talked to you since this happened. But uh, afterwards, I think we were back at the hotel, and we, something came up about just the – we were talking about the party and then the interview, and he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, he's he's totally cool. He actually said that. He was, he was like, yeah, yeah, he's cool. I, I forget what the exact words, but definitely he's cool. Uh, was meaning Ace's- me? Yes. Oh, you. Yeah, yeah. cool. I That's said, hey, Ace, thanks for doing an interview. And he's like, oh, yeah, he's cool. He's cool.
4: Cool. Well, I'm, I'm glad Ace uh, thought that. And I definitely want to talk a little bit more in depth about the actual interview, but it might be a little silly to do that before we hear the interview. Correct. So w- let's get right into it. I have a few quick things I want to mention, John. Uh, I wanted to say happy 10 year anniversary to the Rock and Roll Geek show. It was 10 years ago last week that Michael Butler posted his first episode, and he was a big influence on us starting this podcast way back in 2005. Definitely. Uh, Another guy who was a big influence on us starting this podcast, at least in my opinion, was Eddie Trunk, because I used to listen to his FM radio show and hear him just talk about metal and hard rock. And, I, you know, the podcasts were happening, and you and I kind of, had done some VH1 appearances, and we thought, you know, we should do something like Michael Butler and Eddie Trunk do, but put our own spin on it. And that's how Talking Metal was born. There was a little speculation on this podcast because no one has known what's going on at VH1 and with that metal show. And I wanted to say that Eddie Trunk has posted on his blog that that metal show will return in I think he said February of 2015. I've also spoken with Eddie, and he's going to come on and fill us in on everything that's going on in his life in... Uh, probably a week or two Uh, when when he's out on the road right now but he and i are kind of exchanging some emails back and forth and we are definitely going to get him on the podcast well he even said we can meet up in morris county out by his house or do it over the phone whatever whatever well maybe
3: maybe we ought to get together i'll do one of my uh what i like to call excursions like we did the day that i came out and we went to maple woodstock and uh you gave me a ride over to the uh, mall what's that called the short hills mall short hills mall right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, to right. exchange something yeah it's... but uh i had a blast so why don't we plan that it was great to see eddie now i saw him on uh what was that wednesday and the same day we did the interview right and um it was so hectic because there were all these people there there were about
4: uh, i don't know what would you say 100 150 yeah it, it, i would say at least 100 possibly 150 and it was it was chaos i mean this yeah. flash bulbs i felt bad for ace's eyeballs i mean those flash bulbs were just going <laughs> off in his face for like an hour and and we had this kind of side room set up and you and and the E1 guy kind of pushed him into the side room there where we did the interview. And I, I almost felt like he was kind of relieved when he came into the side room because he yeah. was out of all the chaos. You know, <laughs> you know uh, we were at the very familiar to us Gibson brand
3: showroom in New York where we did a ton of stuff throughout the years. And uh, there are different rooms, different what I like to call studios in that building and uh, in one big area there were people listening to the record and another area there was a bar and people were hanging out and then there were a couple of back studios and and we talking metal took over one of them to uh set up all the gear to do the interview and then we used a separate studio as a little uh green room for ace and uh, so it was it was really fun um but yeah so what happened was it was so chaotic and um this was supposed to be a small VIP, uh, you know, industry listening party, and it turned into this huge thing, which was great. It was it was totally cool that that happened. And what happened was when we were getting, you know, pushed through a crowd, Eddie was like, Hey, John, all congratulations on Give Me a Feeling, and which I co-wrote with Ace, and that was really nice. But I didn't really get a chance to chat with Eddie. I just had a chance to shake his hand and, and walk by.
4: Well, hopefully we can meet up with him or at the very least talk with him on the phone in, in a few weeks. Perfect. Yeah, so, Mark, I wanted to ask you a quick question before yeah. we get into the Ace interview. You just
3: went on a trip to Montreal, or as they say, Montreal. Yeah. Tell us about that.
4: Yeah, it was great, man. I uh, I was on vacation, not far from Montreal, but I ended up driving my family back to New Jersey. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, because I was up in upper New York State, and we drove all the way back to New Jersey. Um, went down to my mom's to pick my dog up. She had been watching my dog. And then anyways, the next very next morning, after really only being home for one night, I got on a plane at, at 6 a.m. and flew to Heavy Montreal, the biggest heavy metal festival in North America. And let me tell you, John, it's freaking huge. I mean, wow. 75,000 oh people showed up this year. I saw Twisted Sister, I only saw the second day, so I didn't see Metallica, but I saw Twisted Sister, played just, you know, a 40,000 plus crowd were there for Twisted, Slayer, well over 40,000, Lamb of God just ripped the place up. Uh so Al Storm, not to be confused with, with Hellstorm. Al Storm. Yeah, and I thought they were great. They were on one of the side stages. Ice-T got some great pictures. If you haven't heard my Heavy Montreal wrap-up show, or not really wrap-up show, uh, brought my Heavy Montreal podcast, which I recorded literally on the VIP tent at Heavy Montreal, you should go to the last episode. I wanted to mention Zetro from Exodus was on that show. And Rob Dukes was on the show before that, so it was a little weird for me. I, I had already started recording the podcast, and you know, Rob's my friend, and and I am I'm, I'm definitely sensitive to his feelings. But Zetro just showed up, and he was like standing right next to me, and it's weird because at the beginning of the podcast, I never even say, "Or oh, we're going to have Steve Zetro on the show," and that's simply because he literally walked up next to me as i was recording the podcast and was talking to mitch and he was like you know we basically were just like hey you want to do an interview and so it was a real impromptu interview and i don't really hold zetro responsible for the you know exodus letting go of rob dukes because i think that was a decision that came from the other guys in the band and From everything I can tell, Zetro is very respectful of the Rob Dukes era of Exodus. And it was, as a fan, longtime fan of Exodus, it was great to have a quick conversation with Zetro. So that's that. Uh, I know people are waiting for the Ace interview, John, so we should probably get right into that at this point, don't you think? Yeah, Mark, that
3: sounds great. Uh, What an amazing experience you had at the Heavy Montreal. I definitely want to talk more about that and why don't we get right into the interview that you conducted with Ace and then after the interview well why don't we play a little Ace music then we'll get into the interview you conducted with Ace and then we'll go over some stuff and uh, actually I, I got a bunch of cool stuff to tell you okay cool. so why don't we get into an Ace track right now this one we're gonna start at his first solo album one of the all-time coolest Ace songs This one's called Rip It Out.
1: Check check check, check check check. You can come in, but
4: we're doing an interview. Ace, thanks so much for joining us on Talking Metal, and congratulations on the new record.
1: Thank you so much. Ten months in the making, and uh, you know, the end result—you know—turned out better
4: than I had anticipated. It sounds great. It seems like it's heavier than Anomaly. Is that something you would agree with?
1: Yeah, and, and it's it's heavier by design. <clears throat> you know, one of the comments that a lot of the fans said about Anomaly, they liked the record, but they said, you know, could have been heavier, could have played more guitar work, and, you know, so, you know, I, I'm here to please, you know. So, you know, <laughs> I listen to my fans, you know. A lot of fans cite my 78 solo album as their favorite record. So, sure. you know, I listened to that two or three times, you know, during the uh, course of recording this album. And, uh, you know, if you listen to the album close enough, you, you'll hear little elements from the 78 record that I incorporated into this new record. You know, and uh, Warren Huart did an amazing job mixing. Uh, He just put the finishing touches on, the icing on the cake, and, you know, it hits the streets August
4: 19th, and hopefully the fans are going to approve. Cool. Can't wait. And who's actually playing with you on the record?
1: I'm playing all the guitars and basses except for two tracks. We got Chris Wise on bass from The Cult on uh, What Every Girl Wants and Starship. And Matt Starr is playing all drums and percussion. Everything else is me. Okay, cool. I'm a one-man
4: show. (laughs) (laughs) And will you be doing live dates, and is there a new band in place at this point? We're planning shows,
1: uh, live appearances in the U.S. in the fall. Matt Starr on drums. I'm trying to get Chris Rise on bass. If he's free, he's definitely in. And we're still working on the, the second guitar player.
4: And how about the book you've mentioned numerous times in the press that you're working yeah. on a follow-up?
1: I've already to- started writing it and you know I got a couple of chapters done and uh, so that's something that's probably
4: going to be done and out hopefully by before the end of the next year. Oh great, great. And congratulations on your induction to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. That was a treat. The only,
1: you know, the only negative thing about the whole thing was that we didn't perform, unfortunately, you know. But the ceremony went smooth. Everybody was on their best behavior, and uh,
4: I had a great time, you know. Great. Have you spoken with any of the guys since the uh, yeah? Get I spoke together? with Gene. Yeah,
1: I spoke with Gene. I called them up, and we were reminiscing about old times. You know, the press makes out makes it out like you know we all hate each other, and that's utter nonsense. You know, we all get along, and we all have respect for each other. You know, we all take cheap shots at each other, you know, in the press, because that's what the press want to hear. But, you know, you know, when push comes to shove, you know, we're brothers in rock
4: and roll and, you know, we've achieved something very few people do. Absolutely. I wanted to talk about some of the guys you worked with in the late 80s or throughout the 80s, really. Uh, Todd Haworth, John Regan recently formed a band called Four by Fate. And I was wondering if you were aware that they had started working together again. I heard something about that, but I haven't heard it yet. You know, I wish them all the best. How do you view the records that you did with, with them and also with Richie Scarlet back in the late eighties?
1: I'm happy with all the records I've done. You know, obviously there's stuff about every record that I feel I can improve upon. And even with this record after listening to it, you know, a dozen times after it was mixed, of course there's little things that I know and hear and that bother me, but you know, you know, that's me because I wrote the stuff and you know. I'm a perfectionist and I'm really never 100% happy with anything I do. <laughs> right. But you know, I think uh, you know, I think the fans are going to love it hopefully and uh, you know, so far the the reviews have been overwhelmingly, you know, on the upside, so
4: we'll see. Absolutely. Now, it's been over 40 years since the release of that first Kiss record and so many of those songs are still played by Kiss, they're still played by you in when you go out and play gigs. What made those songs uh so strong and why do they have such staying power
1: well i believe the four four original members were the ones that had the magic and i think we had a chemistry that was you know second to none and you know the stuff that we recorded you know has withstood the test of time and, and is, is still you know great songs and you know those are the ones that people prefer
4: Cool. And did you have any idea when you were recording that record way back when that <laughs> <laughs> people would still be talking about it 40 years later?
1: Uh, I kind of had a feeling that, you know, we were going to take off. You know, we were definitely out of the ordinary and, you know, we all set our sights really high. Oh, yeah. We all set our sights really high and we shot for the stars and and we got them.
3: Ace, you mentioned that even if it wasn't Kiss, you knew it would be some band that you were going to be a rock star with.
1: Well, from the time I was about 16, I uh, I always felt that I was going to be a rock star. You know, Sometimes people say, well, what hap- What would have happened to you if Kiss didn't form? And my my gut feeling is I would have gotten to another band and, and, and still, you know, hit pay dirt. I mean, listen to my solo records, the right. stuff I've created without Kiss. So, you know... You know, I was determined to to be a professional rock musician and uh, nothing was going to stop me. And luckily, everybody else in Kiss felt the same way. Yeah. And that's, I think, what propelled us to superstar Very good. And there's... I got the answers down. I did yeah. 20 <laughs> interviews today. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I just did
3: 20 interviews today. Yes. freaking nuts. Oh,
4: wow. I, got, I got them down. Hey, Mark, let's <laughs> yeah. do like
3: two questions. Tonight's maybe? show. Yeah. yeah. Two questions and wrap
4: up. Okay, you got cool. it. You got it. Yeah, let's, well, you were on The Tonight Show last night. How'd that go? That went great. It's something I've been
1: wanting to do for a long time. You know, I, I met Kirk, the uh, lead guitar player, several years ago here, actually here at the Gibson Showroom. Right on. And, you know, since then, you know, we've talked about me possibly, you know, getting me on the show, sitting with the band. And it just so happened that, you know, here I am with the release of my new record. I got the invitation and boom. You know, we pulled it off last night and and, and pulled it off without a hitch. Yeah. So I, I had a great time. And those guys are total professionals
4: from beginning to end. Cool. Last question. We're here at Gibson in New York City. You've had a number of signature models and guitars come out. How much planning do you, the artist, actually ha- put into these guitars? How involved are you in designing them?
1: Well, you know, I created the guitars. I customized them in the 70s, you know. The first AFS model was, was a, a, a regular two pickup Cherry Sunburst and you know I ended up installing the third pickup I changed all the plastic uh, to, to chrome even the back plates and you know, it was just little touches that I did that for some reason people loved and uh, you know became classic guitars you know my first uh, AFS Ashley's model you know was the biggest seller in the history of Gibson you know the Budokan took off like a bad out of hell in fact, uh, the custom shop told me, you know, I went there to sign the, the 50 or 75 models that they had, and I said, well, how are they doing? He goes, what are you talking about, Ace? They're already sold. <laughs> right. So, wow. uh, you know, I guess I can do no wrong in that department. I'm, I'm trying to figure out what the next guitars I'm going to be. We're either thinking about the original standard Sunburst tobacco that I uh, started off with in Kiss, or possibly the three-pickup uh, Black, uh, custom that I use for my rocket guitar. Nice. You know, so we're toying with that, and hopefully we'll come up with something by the end of the year.
4: Great. Can't wait. Thank you, Ace. Thank Thanks you for so being a part of the podcast. Let's get an ID, and then we'll
3: yeah, get a, sure. a picture of the bass
1: and Okay.
4: What you just heard was my interview with Ace, and that was a sound sample right there, the music you just heard of Give Me a Feeling, a song that John had the honor of co-writing with Ace. Go buy the full track. Go buy the full album on iTunes now.
3: Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, absolutely, guys. Go buy the regular version, the standard version. Go buy the deluxe version.
4: And then go buy the vinyl when that comes out. Thank <laughs> nice. you. And,
2: hey, uh, John, thank you.
4: Cool. Yeah, thank you so much for hooking that up. It's been great to have Ace on Talking Metal once again. And uh, after everything settles down, you and I, we got to go do a podcast and just hang out at, at a bar and have a beer and, and wind down. Because it's been a, a crazy few weeks. Yeah, absolutely, Mark.
3: I have been completely uh, wiped out, but for all good reasons. And, uh, for example, yesterday uh, we had um, an interview at the hotel, and then we finished the night off with uh, an appearance uh, on Fox 5 New York, uh, which is going to air, I believe, next Friday. And uh, things have been just amazing. Every day has been like that. Uh, I've been to uh, an interview with vh1 classic radio and uh then i've all we've also done another vh1 related interview you remember that guy that did the gear related show on vh1.com yeah or
4: vh1 classic.com sort of i watched it once or twice yeah
3: yeah so w- we did that And it was a little bit of a different format um, than that. And there was really, uh, I believe, no host. It was just uh, Ace being interviewed. But it happened to be that guy who was asking the question, so that was pretty cool. And um, just a ton of other stuff, Uh, a ton of different uh, press things happening for Ace, which is great because we really want to make everybody aware that this record is out. And guess what, guys? Because this will be first Broadcast or podcast or whatever it's called on Tuesday. Uh, everybody should come who lives in the tri state area, meaning New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, anywhere around here, come to Sam Ash Music on 34th Street in Manhattan. Now that's West 34th, not the right. old Sam Ash on 48th, but the new Sam Ash. On 34th, it's uh, not, it's about a block away, maybe even the same block as the Hammerstein Ballroom near Madison. Yeah, and if
4: you're out of town, if you're not living in the city and you're coming in, guys, it's right near Penn Station. I mean, it's right there.
3: Yeah, yeah, you could get out of Penn Station and boom, you're right at Sam Ash. Ace Fraley will be appearing at 6 p.m. to sign copies
4: of Space Invader. That's great. That's great. And real quick, a couple interesting tidbits in the interview that we did with him, John that the Gene thing I mean he said he's uh, been in contact with Gene since the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and I feel that's kind of leaking out in other interviews too he's mentioned I think it was the vh one uh, dot com interview or VH1 radio interview that he thinks maybe Gene might play bass on a song on his next record and and Gene tweeted, of course, before he deleted his Twitter account. I don't know if you're aware that that happened yesterday. You know what? I'm just
3: hearing all of this, so
4: I, yeah. I was totally not aware that he
3: deleted his entire Twitter account.
4: Yeah, before he deleted his Twitter account, somebody asked Gene on Twitter if he had seen Ace on The Tonight Show, and Gene, I think, responded. I think his response was, yep, he did a fine job. Yeah, Which I that. was pretty that. cool. So it, yeah. it almost feels like— you know, with all the, the harsh words we hear back and forth in the press that, you know, maybe, maybe there is actually some love between these guys. And uh, Ace said it right in the interview that we did. You know, the press is always trying to pull out the quotes and the, the bites that make it seem like they all hate each other. But as Ace said, they're his brothers, you know? Right.
3: Absolutely. Ace, Ace literally um,
4: yesterday, we,
3: I think we were in a car and he's like, look, I love Gene. And uh i mean i think he said that on some other interviews and um he said but you know we we fight just like uh, family members fight and you know and it's weird because you know like you and your brother for example obviously love each other but you you may have had fights when you were kids and uh, and maybe still have fights today and and me and you uh we you know we don't have crazy fights but uh uh you know we don't always agree on every single right. minor thing and sure. um so Uh, You know, the difference between like Ace and the other guys in Kiss is if they write a book and put some kind of inflammatory comment in there, you know, then the press jumps on it. Like, like, for example, the the anti-Semitic stuff that Paul wrote in his book, people have been asking Ace about that. And Ace is like, what are you freaking kidding me? I my fiance is Jewish and I've worked with other Jewish people my whole life and I've. You know, was in bands with Jewish guys mm-hmm. when I was a kid. I had Jewish best friends. I, you know, were good friends. Uh, it's crazy. So, um, you know, th- they throw out little things at each other, but it, it. I, according to Ace, you know, they still have a, a love for each other. So, and he, he considers all the right. Kiss guys his brothers for sure. But right the on. weird thing is, is that has been coming out that a lot of people probably don't realize is that Ace used to room with Gene back in the old kiss days when when they didn't have enough money to, you know, put each guy in his own hotel room. So Ace and Jean have something that people used to always think that Ace and Peter, you know, were were the tight ones. And and that is true because it in part because they were the ones that partied. But what people don't realize is that, you know, back in the day that Ace and Jean used to room together so they they had kind of a camaraderie between, between each other and uh, you know and i'm sure ace and paul have shared a bunch of great times as well so right uh you know uh i think it's kind of cool that ace
4: is saying this stuff and um you know kind of really setting the record straight absolutely absolutely and a big thanks to ace for coming on talking metal we appreciate that uh And a big thanks to Gibson for letting us record the interview there. Some cool talk about the signature models at the end of the the interview that we did with him. And before we wrap things up, just a couple outside little tidbits of news. Well, not really. One little outside tidbit of news. Ozzy Osbourne is in talks with the Hard Rock Vegas Casino, the joint, to do a residency. So let's hope that that happens. That would be great. I'm actually going to— be at the November 22nd show for KISS at the joint out in Vegas. They're doing a residency. And, of course, Guns N' Roses has done a residency. Prince did a residency at a different casino out there. But I guess it's uh, there must be money in these residencies because people yeah. are, are doing them now. Check out our friends, 70,000 Tons of Metal. They do a great cruise. It's a metal cruise. Check out their site. Google them, 70,000tonsofmetal.com and i'm i know we usually release these shows on tuesdays guys and with vacations and mitch's podcast going up twice a week and a few other things <laughs> work primarily i have blown the tuesday deadline much of the last month i assure you we will we will be getting back to a consistent tuesday release date meaning that sometime on Tuesday, anytime during that day, I will get a new podcast up, which means that every Wednesday morning at the very latest, you will have a podcast waiting for you. So I'm going to get back to that schedule. And I apologize for anybody who's gone to iTunes on a Wednesday morning and not found a new podcast. I've been a little late on the last few episodes. So we will get back to the Tuesday schedule. Mark, Mark, I want to thank you for
3: doing this and uh because back in the old days of talking metal i was uh, you know we were splitting those duties at the moment uh because of my insane uh schedule you have been doing all of the hard stuff i'm doing the easy and fun part by just talking and
4: being on the podcast and mark is doing all the technical stuff so thank you mark you bet john and that's about it if you want to support the show you can of course go make a paypal donation on talkingmetal.com you can buy a t-shirt in the merch section Or you can simply just make your Amazon purchases by going through Talking Metal. Of course, the way you do that is you go to today's show notes, and at the bottom of the show notes, you'll see a link saying, you know, click our Amazon link. You click that, it opens up your Amazon, and you just go about making your purchases the normal way you would when shopping on Amazon. There's no additional cost to you, the listener. just an additional step by going to Talking Metal to open Amazon. And that's that. Absolutely.
3: Thanks to Ace. Thanks to Gibson. Thanks to you, Mark. And why don't we take it out with one of your favorite classic Ace solo tracks?
4: Solo tracks. Mm, wow. I mean, I know this is just so, so typical, but I got to do it because it, it is a song that when I first heard, it just made literally made the hairs stand up on my arms. I remember it like it was yesterday. This is Rock Soldiers. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, that's it.
3: Excellent. Okay.
2: about this.